Life Audio. Today we are talking about the idea of God's sovereignty. And while that is a doctrine that is throughout the scriptures, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, I want us to go a step further and really examine, is God truly in control of our lives? And yes, we know that he is, but are we allowing him to be? Because ultimately we do have free will and there are areas of our lives that sometimes we can resist handing over to God. So what I want you to come away with today and what I want you to really think about is, are you allowing God space in every square inch of your life? And if you're not, what can we do about it? Today's episode is going to unpack that and more. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. And it's so fun for me because I have been getting emails and messages from from men that have said, you know what, I know this podcast is for women, but God is using it in my life and I just want to let you know and I don't care that it's for women. And truth be told, God's word is for everyone. My specific heart and vision and mission and calling is to help women hear God's voice more clearly. But a lot of what we talk about can apply to men as well. So men, if you're listening, we're thankful that you're here. If you're just joining us, we are going through a devotional reading of the Psalms each day, and we're doing that in an effort to better understand this hymn book and prayer book of Jesus, as well as the disciples. And we're going to be in Psalm 93 today. We're reading through one Psalm a day. And then on Mondays, if you're not part of a newsletter, I would encourage you to join that because we send out prompts that are journaling prompts for you to journal alongside of these episodes to help you get this information from your head into your heart. I find journaling is an excellent way to do that. And again, those are free. They come out every Monday for all of our current episodes. If you would like the journaling prompts from the previous episodes, you can go to shehears.org and go to the resources page and you can get our download, our um, guided journal for the Psalms. The first one is called God Beside Us and it goes through the first 50 Psalms. It links right to the audio devotional. There is some journaling space to write in. There's the journaling prompt and the key verse and you can either print those and write in them. You can download them. Eventually we will have them available in the print version but we're waiting till we get all the way through the Psalms. We have 1 through 50 available and pretty soon we're going to have 51 through 100 available as well so keep an eye out for that. So I'm going to be reading through the NIV, starting in verse 1. 
Psalm 93 verse 1, the Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and is armed with strength. The world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. Your throne was established long ago, you are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, O Lord, the seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves, mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days, O Lord. This psalm is one that would be classified as a hymn, and it's really celebrating the kingship of Yahweh, the kingship of God. And this would be considered a psalm of the heavenly king. And so while we see a lot of verbiage in the psalms about kings, and, you know, of course, David was a king, this is specifically about Yahweh is king. And so when we see this verbiage of the Lord reigns, and that is an opening declaration of some other psalms that we're going to get to next week, as a hymn, this is a continuation of what we talked about yesterday as a praise of God. And it is really praising him for the works and the history and for his character and who he is in the life of its of the readers of this psalm in our lives as well there's a lot of shared language in this psalm with the ideas from Moses's song of the sea back in Exodus 15 and there's some parallels that we we recognize in here and I think that's significant because that was a triumphant song of victory that was following a miracle of the Red Sea we talked a little bit about that yesterday and that becomes this opportunity to celebrate the hope that is really embedded into the soul of Israel because after they saw God work miraculously and supernaturally it produced in them an overwhelming desire to praise God for his work in his life. And and that is similar to what we see going on here. Um, even though Israel had walked through some humiliation when they went through the exile, the fact that God delivered them from that exile is producing in them this desire to praise him. And there's this new hope that the the exiles have, similar to like what the Israelites went through when they went through the Red Sea, where they can celebrate God's sovereignty in their lives. One of the things that we see happening in this psalm is a, a different kind of function than maybe some of the other kingly psalms that we've seen in the past. Because, of course, this is a kingship psalm about Yahweh as opposed to, you know, like David or maybe even King Hezekiah. So the function of this kind of psalm is to divert attention away from the failure of the Davidic kingship and that line of kings um, that resulted eventually in, in the exile. But this is to reaffirm Yahweh as king. And that is really where Israel's kingship is built. Um, it's Of course, David has been woven into Israel's history, but ultimately the king of Israel is Yahweh. And so throughout book four, we see the Psalms do that in a couple different ways. Um, there's this clear theme that Yahweh is still king over Israel and the whole universe, regardless of the state of the kingship of David. Because remember at this point, um, it didn't look like there was going to be a continuation of the throne of David. Now we know that there would be eventually that would be fulfilled through Jesus, but at the time they didn't have the benefit of knowing that yet. I mean, of course, there was some prophetic words and it was something they were hopeful for, but they didn't understand the dynamics of Jesus being in the line of David like we would. And so 
they're they're going back to recognizing that Yahweh is is their king. And then there's also a shift from the focus on the the Davidic covenant to the Mosaic covenant and the Abraham covenant. And um, because book four, this part of the the section of of book four of the Psalms, it it really is from sometime in the late exile or early on after they got out of the exile, we have to remember that these Psalms are optimistic and they have this perspective of the future and um, they're hopeful against some of the things that they think they might be up against, but they have experienced God's presence and God's deliverance recently or or for the people that believe that this is just post-exile, they're seeing God's hand in deliverance, which brings about a lot of hope for them. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but when I have been through something heavy that God has delivered me from, I can't shut up about it. Um, you know, there was a, there's been lots of things in my life that God has done, but I remember one particular incident, and I've talked about this before in the podcast, where we were facing certain death in an African country, and it was literally God's hand that saved us in a very miraculous way. When I returned home, I could not shut up about it. I praise God. Everybody that I could see or tell or people at Walmart, people at church, people at my daughter's school, everywhere, I continued to talk about what God did. And I think that is a really natural reaction, this praise that comes out of God intervening when we're in some difficult circumstances. And so it helps us understand the the reason and perhaps the amount of motivation they had to praise God and to continually speak about what he was doing in and through their lives. I think just from a human perspective, um, there's a lot of metaphors here. There's a lot of um, things that we can recognize just based on our own human condition, how we respond to God after he's been active in our lives. Now, of course, our situations are, are vastly different than what the Israelites had just gone through coming out of exile, but we can hopefully recognize how we would probably respond if we look at different things that God has done in our own lives. I think we're going to stop here and take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, we'll get into the rest of the psalm. So there are a couple more things that I want to point out as we finish up the study of this psalm. Um, even from the beginning, like from verse 1, when it talks about the world being established, that clause is connecting the image of king with the image of creator. So that's implying that Yahweh, as God, has been king from the time of creation. I think that's important to point out. And then in verse 2, let me read it. It says, Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. And so speaking of how you are from all eternity, God's throne is a metaphor for both his sovereignty and his justice. And so that phrase from all eternity can mean from of old. The fact that God reigns from the beginning of the world takes us back to this idea of eternity as a concept that is you know, in the Psalms, it's more implied than explicitly expressed. But nevertheless, it's this broad biblical perspective that after God's work of creation, um, he takes his place on the throne. And we see that idea alluded to in Genesis chapter two, and we see it in a couple other places in the Psalms. But um, like throughout the Psalms, when we see David resting from all of his enemies, that kind of models the rest that God did after creation. So we see that connection there. 
Then in the next verse, in verse 3, where it talks about the seas, um, that again is a reference to creation. Um, it's it's in the NIV, so the original would have said sea, but the NIV, it translates that Hebrew word um, for rivers and floods as seas. But um, elsewhere, like in Isaiah, um, that metaphor is used for like the, the roaring of waters, and it can mean lots of different kinds of bodies of water, but it refers to, um, like that metaphor refers to the tumultuous nature of the nations that are surrounding Israel. And we can kind of look at it both ways. We can see it as an allusion to creation. And it could even suggest, some scholars think it suggests, like the the waters in the very, very beginning of Genesis where God speaks to the waters and brings calm to the chaos. And those waters, as, as they are under the authority of God, they obey. And the powers of chaos are symbolized by the seas and other places. We see that in Job, um, in Psalm 74, in Psalm 104. Um, so, you know, either way, I think what it gets to is that God has authority. Whether we're talking about God having authority over the waters of creation or God having authority of the, over the chaos of the surrounding nations, either way, it's looking to God as the authority over everything. And then in verse 5, it says, Your statutes stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days, O Lord. So this idea of your statutes, Lord, stand firm. What that's doing is it's connecting the truth of God's statutes, God's law, to creation as an effective way to validate the law because the truth of God's law stands honestly as long as creation stands. So the fact that God's house stands apart from all other parts of creation, it can be attributed to God's law, the Torah, because God's law is what makes it holy. And so that does not take away from God's rule over the world, but just as God has created the world and he's called the world into obedience, he's also established the standards, that's what the statutes means, standards, for the good of humankind. And so this is a clear reference to God's statutes that, I mean, we have seen it other in other places, even in book four, we've seen that, but it is a celebration of, of the law that has been given in the Torah and the way that God uses that to govern his nation as the king over, over Israel. God's sovereignty really comes into play here. And what God's sovereignty means is that he must have power over every aspect of the created order. And we see that in multiple dimensions throughout the psalm, or all of the psalms, really, we see that woven throughout. But for God to be sovereign, that means he must have power over all of the other gods. If, I mean, likely, you know, at that time frame, they did believe that other gods existed. Now, we know, as believers in this time and space, that um, any measure of power or anything that was displayed by those false gods were, were the work of the enemy. But at the time, at the time of this writing, they, you know, they believed that there was a potential for other gods to exist, but they would pale in comparison to Yahweh as the God above all gods. And so if those other gods did indeed exist, um, God as the sovereign God, Yahweh as the sovereign God, would have control over all of creation, including all of those gods. 
And so God's power doesn't stop there. He also must, you know, by default, that means he must have power, sovereign power over the nations, and he must be sovereign over justice and sovereign over judgment and sovereign over the future and sovereign over us. And so there's a a question that comes up as whether or not Yahweh indeed reigns over all these dimensions of our world. Because I think it's really easy to look at at the pages of scripture and say, oh, well, you know, the Israelites really kind of did themselves in. They're dealing with the consequences of their own sin and their own actions. It's really easy to be far removed from some of this content and, and kind of cast blame on them. But I think my challenge to you is recognizing that God wants sovereignty over all of those issues or all of those places in your own life. Have you recognized God as sovereign over your life? And when I say life, I also mean your future and I also mean your past. I think it was really easy for me to think that God is sovereign over my current present circumstances. And I think it was really easy to think that God was sovereign over my future circumstances, but it's really difficult for me to think through God being sovereign over my past. And there's a lot of pain in my past. There's a lot of things that, you know, if you've been listening to many to me for any measure of time, you will um, probably recognize that there's been lots of opportunities to doubt the sovereignty of God, both on the part of my own sin in the part of other people sinning against me. And I had to sit with that for a while. And I think that's my encouragement to you. As we look at this psalm and we think in this short five verses about the sovereignty of God. Do you recognize God's sovereignty over every inch of your life? Past, present, and future. And if not, what what is the struggle? Because ultimately... God wants us to be in that place where we understand his sovereignty over everything. If he's sovereign over the false gods of the world and, and what the false gods might look like in our world might look different than what the false gods were in the, in the world of the Israelites. But I think either way they divide up the, the honor and the power and the glory that goes to God, that should go to God, we divide that up. And and for me, for us, maybe the false gods in our own lives are things like social media or the approval of others or addiction or our other relationships. You know, I don't know what that is for you, but I, I want us to recognize that God is sovereign over all areas of our lives and we have to recognize his sovereignty over all areas of our lives. So I'm going to start over in verse one. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and is armed with strength. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, O Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves, mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days, O Lord. God, we come before you recognizing that you are robed in majesty, that you are armed with strength. 
that the world cannot be moved because of your throne being established long ago. God, help us to recognize your sovereignty over all things, including our past, our present, and our future. Future And God, if that's difficult for my friend that's listening today, to recognize your sovereignty since the beginning of time includes sovereignty over their past, Lord, would you make yourself known to them in a way that is tangible and real and present? Because we know that you are a God that longs to meet us where we're at, even if we have a hard time reconciling some of the things that we're reading. God, I I thank you for the way that you reveal yourself through the pages of the scriptures, and I pray that you would continue to draw my friends in today into a closer relationship with you. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen. Hey, before we go, I just want to let you know that there's a couple resources to help you if you're feeling like you need some more, some more ways to process what we're learning or to get this information into your head and into your heart. The She Hears Bible Study is a book that I wrote. It came out, uh, I guess, almost two years ago now, and it's all about helping women learn how to hear Jesus. It goes through six women in the life of Jesus from the book of John, and it looks at how he equips them, encourages them, calls them, and it's done through the color method of Bible study, which is a very simple, easy way to do a Bible study so that when you get done with the Bible study, you will learn that method and how to use that on other passages of scripture so that you don't need a Bible study. You don't need me in your ear telling you what things mean or or how to understand it, but it will be a skill set that you've learned on your own to help you with your Bible study for, for years to come. If you are one of those people that has a hard time writing in their Bibles, one of the things that I included in the Bible bundle is the Gospel of John in a journal format. So on one page, it has the, the scripture, and on the other page, there's places like a journaling page to, to take notes. That is what many people use to do the Bible study with, so if you don't want to write in your Bible, that's totally fine. There's also a larger set of Gospels that are like that. So if you want to go back through and when you're done with the Bible study, if you want to go back through and start doing that color method throughout the New Testament, I have a really pretty set of Gospels that are perfect for that. And then if you want to continue, there are a couple different options. I have some journaling Bibles, some note-taking Bibles. I have a really nice uh, ESV study Bible that gives you like maps and notes and study notes and all those kinds of things. There's a ton of resources available to you. You can find that at shehears.org and go to the resources section. There's also even like a free seven-day devotional that you can download. There's no charge for that at all. Of course, our Psalms uh, guided journals. And then also, if you're finding yourself needing a little bit more one-on-one, you can go to the Work With Me page and you can schedule some one-on-one time with me. I do life coaching and spiritual direction. And if you've never done spiritual direction before, it's, it's not as intimidating as it may seem. It's a time for us to pray together where we will pray through some scripture and I will pray for you and with you as we kind of unpack some of the things that God is doing in your heart. So I just want to let you know that all, all those resources are available to you. Of course, we have our Monday newsletter that goes out with free journaling prompts. We have the Facebook uh, page and the Facebook group, which are two different things. So if you're just following along the Facebook page, you're not getting the full benefit. The Facebook group is where we share um, opportunities to pray, to hold each other accountable, to answer questions about things we hear on the podcast, all of those kinds of things. That's the Christian Women's Daily Bible Study. And again, links for all of this is are in the um, in the show notes. And then 
if you're needing just some extra support, if you go to the page at shehears.org that says work with me, you can schedule some one-on-one time with me. I do both individual sessions as well as group sessions. And there's also a discount if you want to buy more than one at a time, but that can be a really helpful way to do some life coaching together or some spiritual direction, which is some time to pray together. Um, we pray through some scripture. I pray with you and for you, and we kind of go through some things that are on your heart together. So again, these are all just different resources available to you to help you hear God's voice more clearly. So I want you to know I'm praying for you. I am rooting for you. If there is a resource that you're needing and you don't see it, just send me an email. I would love to develop something for you because if you have that need, there's a high likelihood that other people have that need as well. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.